Welcome to the Alien Probe Podcast. It is Sunday, June 11th, 2023. I'm Doug. Joining me again today is Deb. We're doing... Uh, hi, Deb. Hi. Won't ask you how your week went. Um, <laughs> how did your week go, by the way? I will ask you. It's fine. Nothing, nothing too exciting. Nothing, nothing too exciting. Just a little work. Yeah. So, um, anyway, before everybody falls asleep. So, Serpo number six, if you... Those of you who have been following the Serpo story um, up to this point, thank you. We've got kind comments about, I can't wait till the next episode. And um, we appreciate it. We're following the book. You want to go ahead and put the book up here? If you're looking at us on YouTube and follow, like, and subscribe uh, Alien Pro Podcast on YouTube, you can also read the book yourself, although we're going through uh, and with our, uh, you know, anecdotes and some of the things I know about I'm kind of adding on and Debbie's getting an education about you know um, I did not know any of this happened yeah we're we don't know if it happened we don't you know it's um, there's a lot of things going on right now um, well everybody I don't know if you've um, been following along or if you've been under a rock if you're a UFO person um, former intelligence and this is tr- true a former intelligence uh, official turned whistleblower is given Congress and the intelligence community inspector general extensive classified information about a deeply cohort pro, about deeply cohort programs and he says possesses retrieved intact and partially intact craft of non-human origin that's per the debrief um you can see if you look up um the whistleblower is 36 i thought he was 31 but this is he's 36 36 year old david charles uh Grush. Grush is a uh, decorated former combat officer in Afghanistan who went on to work uh, at the National uh, Geospatial Intelligence Agency and the National Reconnaissance Office, um, where he served as the latter's representative to the Unidentified Area Phenomena Task Force from 2019 to 2021. Then from late 2021 to 2022, he was the NGA's co-lead for UAP analysis and as uh, representative to the task force which was established to investigate UFOs, which are now officially, we know they're UAPs, yeah, yeah. It was launched the Navy under the Office of Undersecretary of Defense for Intelligence and Security and has since been recognized, excuse me, reorganized into the all-domain, Arrow, the all-domain anomaly resolution office, a horrible name, but whatever, <laughs> uh, which includes investigations of objects, also with, of objects which operate underwater, but that's not, really the case it's objects that this is bad reporting uh they're investigating all objects and uh, interfering with possible navigation of aircraft and ships and things um so Grush is the whipple uh, whistleblowers now we're represented by an attorney who served as the original intelligence community inspector general uh, who spoke with journalists so leslie kane uh who is a geo cousin of GOP Senator Tom Kane Jr. of New Jersey, um, who co-authored the 27 piece in the New York Times revealing that the DOD spent $22.5 million on a secret program to investigate UFOs, and Ralph Blumenthal, a veteran of TV, excuse me, New York Times reporter. So I just thought I'd touch on that. We're not going to talk extensively about that today. Debbie's had to hear about it for the last few days, and she's probably tired of it now. But um, you can see under YouTube, um, if you look up uh, David Grush, um, it's you know there's he's a brief there's a brief interview on there. Um, after that, there's supposed to be uh, seven hours of interview about, and he's supposed to know he has not, and it's important to know he hasn't actually seen these things himself. People have been telling him. We know we all know the story about when that happens. It's hearsay. So. We'll see how where it goes. We hope it goes somewhere, but allegedly he knows where, or he's talked to people who know where twelve uh, flying saucers are. So, with that, uh, we'll get on with Project Serpo episode six. Um, let me scoot up here. Ah, the following entry. Get yourself situated. <laughs> the, the following entry in the into the team command again. You know, this is the sixth episode. If you haven't heard one through five, they're all on uh, whichever. Your favorite uh, podcast uh, carrier is Spotify, Google, whatever. We're on 63 platforms. You should have no trouble finding us. 
The following entry into the Teen Commander's diary was evidently written as they were nearing the end of the journey. Apparently, they all slept through most of the journey, and each time they woke up, they had little or no memory of what had previously transpired. We learned later that 308, Team Pilot 2, died of a pulmonary embolism. Remember, they were, they were missing him at this point. And I'm thinking, this didn't come up through the story. I read ahead, obviously. Mm-hmm. I don't think. I think they're in suspended animation. They're kind of writing it like, oh, we're up, we're down, we're here, we're right. there. I think they were in suspended animation. That deep sleep, though. Yep. Yeah. Well, that would be the only way to travel that far without losing your mind. Yeah, and what are you going to do? Wander around the ship? You know, do things. So. There's no internet. <laughs> no, there's no internet. Nobody has a phone. <laughs> no way to call home. I am awake again. This is red. This is an actual uh, inch. I'm sorry. I thought that would, Yeah, this is a this diary. Is a entry. This is a diary entry. I am awake again. Ebens are in the room. My bowl is open. Some of my crew are walking around. The Ebens are helping them. I climb out of my bowl. The English-speaking Eben sees me, and I ask him if every one of my crew is all right. He doesn't understand all right. I point to the crew. I say 11. Where's 12? EBE1 then points to a bowl that is empty and says, Oh, Earthman is not living. Okay, someone died. But who? My crew is walking around in a state of confusion. I can't get anyone's attention. They look like the living dead. What is wrong with them? I asked EBE-1, what is wrong with them? EBE-1 replied, space sick, but will not be sick soon. Okay, that makes sense. I have no idea how long, and we're still flying. But again, I don't know how long. EBE-1 brings some fluids and something looking like a biscuit. Fluid tastes like chalk. That's special. And the biscuit doesn't have any taste at all. Uh, We all eat it. And drink the fluid. Almost instantly, we feel better. Okay, getting organized. Told 203 to round up all the crew. Found 308, team pilot 2, missing, but must be the dead crew member. And yes, as we heard earlier, it was. So then EBE-1 came back and led me to 308. He was in a bowl, something like a coffin. 7754 will examine 308. EBE-1 cautioned us not to take 308 out. We don't understand the caution. 7754 is here. I try to tell EB1 that these guys are our doctors and that they must examine 308. EB1 said no because of infection. I guess 308 must have had some sort of infection and it could be contagious. But is 308 dead? Don't know. We will take EBE one advice. Well, we do, you know I don't know if they did an autopsy and found out it was the pulmonary embolism later, but obviously we know he's dead. But seven hundred seven fifty four just looked into the bowl and said it looks like three hundred eight is dead. Well, there you go. <laughs> there's a, there's a medical opinion right there. Everyone else seems okay. Uh, the fluids and biscuit must have contained some type of energy food. Little monster energy yeah. there. Uh, little Red Bull. Uh, we can focus our eyes and can actually think. No one can remember how we got into this room. All of our equipment is here. Everyone is concerned about our status. The Ebens are friendly, but won't tell us much. 899 is concerned with being locked in a room. Yeah, this this 899 would be too. (laughs) Just stuck. One room for space travel. Yeah, 633 and 661 thinks we should be keeping busy. Doing what? I agree. I order everyone to get their packs and rations. That's what. Inventory everything inside and see if something is missing. Some military, damn it. That will occupy the team for some time. Yeah, let's let's look through our stuff and see if they stole anything. Take inventory, make sure everything's there. I don't think they had everything though. They had what thousands of pounds of equipment. I don't think they have. I don't think they only have like a backpack full of words. They're just looking through their backpacks. Yeah. Yeah. Inventory your backpack. My wristwatch says it's 0400, but what day? What date? Don't know. Very strange not being able to gauge the time. Uh, remember, these are wristwatches from 1965, so they don't have, they're not very sophisticated. Did they have the radium dials so that, you know, they'd glow in the dark and give you cancer? Yeah, maybe. I'm just, I'm just learning about that. <laughs> That's great. Oh, oh, yeah, you're watching, uh, what are you like? I'm listening to a... Um, about Oppenheimer. About Oppenheimer. Yeah, podcast about, it's a, about it. Yeah, it's the uh, Manhattan Project on a podcast. Oh, 
I can't wait till Oppenheimer comes. I don't want to see that. Uh, my wristwatch says so 400. Okay, what day, what time? We have no reference inside this room or our spaceship. Uh, the year clock that we brought will be unpacked once we get to the stowed gear. Uh, but we don't know where that is. So that clock actually is... That thing ended up not working at some point because oh. there's supposed to be 10 years on the planet. Right. They ended up staying 13 years. You mean a clock that keeps track of the calendar was not Was not. It, did, it ran out of batteries <laughs> or whatever. They should have had a mechanical. Did they say it was a mechanical clock? He doesn't say. He just says The year clock. A, See, year they should clock. have known that it might have been a good idea to have something that you wind up. Yeah, I have no idea what a year clock even is. Yeah, well, it shows the year, time, the date, time, and year or whatever. Okay. Um, anyway, he goes on with the uh, diary. Um, the commander's diary describes the arrival on Serpo. Uh, EBE-1 came in, told us the journey was almost over. How many times have they said, are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? <laughs> he led us to a, well, the e, I don't know if it's a he or she. Are we led there us, yet? <laughs> led us to a hallway. We got into a moving room and moved to another part of the ship. Came out into a large room with many items. I can't identify them, but they look like clothing chests or bedroom chests. It's a room full of dressers. Ikea. What is it? Ikea. Ikea. (laughs) We are also led to a large table with food. EB1 tells us to eat. 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 He said good food. Eat. Eat. This food isn't any good. (laughs) We all look at each other. 774 says... Let's eat. We find plates. <laughs> Seems like ceramic plates, real heavy. Is no, it no, melam- no melamine, melamine, or whatever that stuff it's a fiesta was. Fiesta wear, man. Nothing yeah. but the best for these guys. They seem real heavy. Something that can not break when it falls on the floor. When yeah. you know something happens to the craft, I guess. Huh? Uh, I choose something that looks like a stew. Oh, I think it's. I would go for the stew right away. By the way, <laughs> you know what's in there. Uh, I would kind of say, what's in this? Yeah. Same as we ate earlier. The drinks were in metal containers. Um, same fluid we drank earlier. We all ate. Very little taste in the stew. Something like potatoes, maybe cucumbers. Some type of stems. Oh, yay. <laughs> not really bad. Uh, the biscuits taste the same. Yeah, and it not tastes like stems. It's kind of like that... What's the is it? What's that salad I don't like? Oh, with the, like the fancy greens. Oh, you don't like beet greens. Is that what they are? Beet greens. Yeah, you don't like the beet greens because they want, have a stem. Well, they're leaves. They look like leaves. Ew. Yeah, they're also if you don't chew them good, they'll choke you. Everyone sat and ate. We found something like apples, but didn't taste like apples. Sweet and soft. I ate one. Leaves an aftertaste in my mouth. The team looks happy. Some are joking about not having any ice cream. Of course. Okay. The MVC is in room. First time we saw him. He speaks through EBE1. The language really bothers my ears. Yeah, they're like squeal. You wouldn't be able to do it. It's like squealing. Yeah. Yeah. The high-pitched sounds and then the vocal tones sound very strange. EBE1 tells us MVC wants us to prayer for landing. Hold on. Yeah. So it's kind of like. I was mentioning earlier. It's okay. All of a sudden we're here. Yeah. I mean, they mentioned nothing about all these activities that happened. And I think it's like a 10 month trip. They right. said, yeah, they're, so they, they must've been in art of, you know, it's much easier when you don't have to feed people for months at a time. Yeah. Okay. How do we prepare for landing? Yeah. How do we do that? We must go into our bowls, get in your bowl. into our bowl room and get in the bowl. No one wants to do that, but we will do it. We are led back to the moving room and travel back to the bowl room. <laughs> We climb into the bowl. No wonder this they put him to sleep because this would have been really boring 10 months. Some use the pot for relief of our bowels and bladders. Then climb into the bowl. The lid's closed, but we are awake. Just lie there. I fall asleep. Oh, wow. you got your, your belly's full of stew and biscuit. And you're just going to fall asleep. Yeah. Well, remember, they were saying they had tubes connected to these things. Yeah. And they were like different lights, green lights. I think the lights probably, I'm surmising that... Mm-hmm. They're pertaining to the status of the eggs or the, the bowls. bowls. To make sure somebody's and, still breathing And in there's there. gas being pumped in there to get them to go to sleep or whatever. Now the bowl lids have opened. My wristwatch says 1100. I guess it's still day. We climb out. Still day one. Oh, he still thinks it's day one? 
Yeah, so that's really. Oh wow! See, okay. see so saying? he has no clue. I think they're. I think they're suspended animation. We climb out. EB one is at our side. He tells us landing home. Okay, I guess we're there. <laughs> we get. See, there's no mention of it. Oh, that's weird. It's only been a day. See, I, it's. Yeah, they're very confused. Yeah. Um, we gather our gear. 700 reminds us to wear our sunglasses once we exit. Well, it's good that somebody's in charge of... <laughs> well, they got two sons. You better have really good sunglasses. <laughs> we pack up and walk down the long hallway. Then into another moving room. We travel for... what well, was like being at the airport. Yep. We travel for one minute. Then the door opens. We are in a large room. We see our stowed gear. Many smaller spaceships are stored there. A large door opens and then a bright light. We see the planet for the first time. We walk down the ramp. A large number of Ebens are waiting for us. We see a large Eben. So a large number of large Ebens. Large. Largest one we have seen yet. He comes forward and starts speaking to us. EBE1 translates a welcome message from the leader. I guess this guy is the leader, about one foot taller than the others. So that's, you have to be tall to be in charge. Yeah, well, you know, I, I don't know if you've ever heard this, but generally, I'm going to say generally, I'm not super tall, but generally people that are in charge, like presidents, yeah, they're generally think. kind of... So you're saying I'm not going to be president? <laughs> well, not of the United States, maybe I mean, something I'm, else. I'm a little, bit, a little bit over midget status. <laughs> You're perfect size. What are you talking about? The leader tells us we are welcome to the planet. He called it something we do not understand. So they don't call it Serpo. I wonder where that name came from. Because somebody mentioned to me that's a dumb name for a planet. And uh, uh, so I don't know where that, I don't know if that's just. Kind of mean. Yeah, that's a dumb name. Um, EB1 isn't doing a good job translating. <laughs> but we are led to an open air arena. Oh, that's oh, fun. No. And then we're put like Star Trek. They the put lions. him on gladiator gear. Okay, yeah. now we're going to. We only need half of you. No, they We're going to have fun now. Looks like a parade field. The ground is dirt. Looking up, I see blue skies. The sky is very clear. We see two suns, one brighter than the other. The landscape looks like a desert, Arizona or New Mexico. No vegetation that we can see. There are rolling hills, but nothing but dirt. This must be a central village or town. Why do you say that if there's nothing but dirt? Is we landed that? in an open area with large... Okay, now large structures like electrical towers. Something is sitting on top of these towers. Holy crap. What is it? It's a mirror thing okay. that helps in what's on the... You know, I'll explain here okay. in a minute. Uh, the commander... Um, on the center of the village... This is the commander. The center of the village is a large tower. It looks like a concrete structure. Very large. Maybe 300 feet high. It looks like a mirror is placed on top of the tower. All the buildings... Look like adobe or mud huts. Some are larger than others. Looking in one direction, can't tell any actual compass readings, but there is a very large structure. All the Ebens are dressed in the same clothing, except for some of the Ebens who wore, were on the spaceship. Um, now I see others dressed in dark blue outfits, different from the others. Each Eben is wearing some type of box on their belts. All have belts. Can't see any children. But maybe they are the same size, too. Our boots leave an imprint on the soil. The brightness is almost too much for our eyes without sunglasses. Looking around 360 degrees, I see buildings and barren land. Can't see any vegetation. I wonder where they grow their food. What a planet. Hard to believe we have to live 10 years here. <laughs> That's a great, great but a But a journey of 1,000 miles begins with one footstep. Can't remember who said that, but just came to mind. That is, yeah, that would be, yeah, no, 10 years of this. This is going to be fun. Oh, man. You know, when you get to a new place, when you're going to go be on vacation for a week. Yeah. You're, you know, can you imagine 10 years? Well, they go exploring and things. I mean, it's not, they keep themselves pretty busy as we'll hear as we go along. Interestingly, the Ebens offloaded the supplies and equipment onto 16 separate pallets. The commander was not able to view the offloading procedure, but apparently it was accomplished very quickly, so it seems likely that the Ebens manually transferred everything to 16 pallets and then floated those pallets into the underground storage area. Perhaps they were able to make the heavy items weightless when they moved them onto the pallets. Oh, we got anti-gravity pallets. And, ooh, way to go. Look at you go, anti-gravity pallets. 
Well, that's how they built the pyramids, right? Anyway, so uh, Serpo is rather desolate. Is a rather desolate-looking planet, Tatooine, and the commander is clearly not very happy about what he sees. In his words, "What a planet! Hard to believe we have to live in this. I don't want to say it. To live here ten years. <laughs> we later learn that uh, this is not the even Eben's native planet, but was chosen as a refuge." After the volcanic devastation of their home planet. Oh, so they ruined their planet, so now they they just well, they, it was vol- they didn't do it. The volcanoes did it. You don't know. You assume that it was global warming. <laughs> a, a, large numbers of Ebens are welcoming us. They seem friendly. Then, almost shocking us, someone speaks English. We all look around and see an Eben. Well, of course, you're a planet of Eben. This Eben, but he speaks very good English. This Eben like. speaks very good English. This Eben we call EBE two. We are so damn original. Speaks almost fluent English, with exception of not really pronouncing the letter W. Is he Russian? Aren't they the ones that don't pronounce <laughs> Ws? But EBE two does a good job speaking English. EBE two says we are. Elkum to Planet Serpo. If you can't say welcome, how's he saying welcome? Elk, if you can't elkum, say W, Elkum. 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 Velcum. So, but that's what it says. Velcum. Well, it doesn't say they say it another way. But you know, it's well. Don't make fun of it being EBE two. At least they went one, two, etc. Not two. two well, you're EBE seventeen. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. Okay, that is the name of their planet. What is the name of their planet? Oh, they did say Serpo. Welcome to the planet Serpo. Okay, that's where they actually call it that themselves. Okay, okay that's where it comes from. So maybe that's <coughs> Serpo means you know. Hot, Pla- hot planet with two suns. It means planet you go to after your planet explodes. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, the, the long and short of it. EB2 shows us a device that tells us every one of us must wear it. It's like, so we can keep track of you. It's like a small transistor radio. We put it on our belts. The weather is extremely hot. Oh, You'd probably like it there. Yeah. Ask 633. You know, I love heat. Ask 633 to take temperature. 633 sets to 107 degrees. Ew. I mean, that's right in your wheelhouse. No, it's not. That's very, you. That's you. Very warm. We take off the top jacket and uh, leaves us with the one-piece flight suit. The Ebens look at us but, but seem very friendly. Some are wearing some type of shawls. I asked EB2 about that. EB2 says they are females. So the females have to wear a shawl. Oh, here we go. Is it covering their face? Uh, Is it a shawl cover your face? No, it's just just around your shoulders. Okay, I see. They all look alike. Really hard to tell one apart except for uniform. Some have different colored uniforms. I asked EB2 about that. EB2 says military uniform. Okay, that makes sense. Well, they probably don't all look alike to them. You think? <laughs> EB2 leads us to a series of huts looking like Adobe-style houses. There are four. Behind them is an underground room or storage area. It is built into the ground, underground. We have to walk down a ramp. The doors look like military igloos uh, that store our atomic bombs on Earth. All our gear is taken off the spaceship. Uh, gear taken off the spaceship is stored there. We walk down into the area. Very large room. Very cool, a lot cooler. Yeah, I'd be sleeping down there. Oh, we have to. Oh, we might have to sleep here. <laughs> All our gear is there. Sixteen pallets of gear. The igloo is made up of something like concrete, but not the same texture. Feels like soft rubber. You're in a rubber room. Feels like soft rubber, but still hard. The floor is made of the same stuff. There are lights in the ceiling. They look like spotlights. They have electricity. Well, you don't know if it's electricity. It's so their version power. of whatever it is. Yeah. We must inventory all of our gear sometime. We go back to the huts. The huts are cooler than outside, but still very warm. We must get organized. It's probably zero point energy or something where they, there was something that was uh, invented by a guy named Moray uh, that he worked with uh, Nikolai Tesla. Mm-hmm. And he made this, it was a box, it was 60 pounds, I read, I didn't see the box, but this is a story. And, uh, you know, this is is in the 40s or 50s? Uh, 40s, I think, maybe. And uh, you would put very little, you know, electricity in this, and and it would convert that little bit of electricity to like 50,000 watts. Oh, wow. But he was shot twice, that guy. He was shot once on the street. I told the story on the episode, or not on episode five, but with Matt Mm -hmm. last week. This guy was shot on the street once. 
he was shot in his office another time. I don't know if he eventually got killed, but they were trying to tell him that, you know. Don't. Yeah, we don't want to put big oil out of business. I tell EB2 we will uh, need to be alone and get organized. EB2 then, uh, I realize, uh, is a female, says okay. We would be left alone. He doesn't understand. He doesn't explain why he thinks she's a female. I know. It's the shawl. I, uh, oh, maybe that is it. Yeah. <laughs> I asked for the body of 308. EB2 seems to be confused and doesn't know about anybody. I explained to EB2 to EB2, held her hands across her body and bowed her head. It was really an emotional sight because she was almost crying. Wow. Wow. EBE2 told us that the body would be brought to us. So she didn't know about it. Now, all of a sudden, now she knows it's going to be brought to us. But she must check with her trainer. The word trainer yeah, kind trainers. of shocked me. <laughs> is EBE2 in training and someone is teaching her? Or is the word trainer in Eben something different in English? Maybe that means leader or commander, but don't know. But EB2 left. I told 203, gather everyone in. Bring it, bring it. We, we need a... We need a huddle. I guess the lower storage area, we'll have a team meeting. 633 suggested we start the calendar as of today. Oh, sorry. It is 1300 on day one on Planet Circle. You know what 1300 is? What time that is? One o'clock. Oh, very nice. The team was able to use... That was a test. The team was able to use their, all their electronic... But yet I couldn't read my paragraph fly. correctly. <laughs> There'll be a grade at the end of this. Oh, God. Uh, all their electrical appliances, they plugged them all in the black sealed box and they all worked. It is believed uh, that the team was able to use the even device that they had developed to communicate with Earth. They didn't seem to be anything to prevent this except for the slim possibility that it only worked with the even language. But even in that case, the evens would have translated uh, messages into English. And something I was a little curious about as I thought about this over the weeks and weeks we've been doing this so far. Are they not able to commute, talk to Earth? They're able to talk to Earth. Mm -hmm. They're not allowed to. They're not letting us do it. I haven't seen, and I've almost all the way through the book. I want to give up anything, but I don't care. They don't talk about them communicating with Earth about anything. Interesting. It's, so that I thought Because you was, think they would have reported back yeah, I, at they, least once a year. You should be, in my mind, doing a report once a month right. or once a week or something. Maybe it's expensive. <laughs> it's long distance. Yeah, that, that, that's probably it. Don't upset the dog. Uh-oh. Yeah. <laughs> there goes Mags. For some reason, Anonymous never discusses the utili utilization of this communication device by the team. It is interesting to note that the Ebens have electricity... But no air conditioning. Losers. <laughs> this is one of the many paradoxes of the Eben no technology and civilization. They're advanced and civilized, and yet they are primitive and simple at the same time. The heat doesn't bother them. If if the I mean, you only air condition the air if the heat bothers you. If these people live kind of like in living the, in the Bay Area, yeah. If they don't have they don't have they don't yeah, care about air conditioning if, their cars. They don't care if about if they're comfortable at this houses, temperature. Why would they air condition it just, just because like the Bay Area. twelve yeah. humans decided to come visit? Oh my lord, we need to invent electric air, air conditioning. Yeah, perfect. Hey, the um, the female alien that the team commander designated EB two, who speaks excuse me excellent English. Is clearly the same EB2 had translated the yellow book. Remember, we talked yes. about the yellow book and who presented it to our greeting party at the first landing in April 1964. And who also translated the conversation at that time. It is coincidental that she was given the same name both times because none of the team members have been present during the greeting at the April landing. They were all waiting on the bus. So it's just coincidence. Huh? Hmm. That's weird. Her emotional reaction in this bit of drama regarding the body of 308 reveals a sympathetic and compassionate nature, which the team learned was generally characteristic of this race. As we will see, this first incident about the recovery of 308's body was the opening round of what turned out to be almost become a major diplomatic problem very early in the game. In this next diary entry, we see that EBE2 becomes a very important link between the team and the other Ebens. 
Yeah, the diary entry, we had a serious, in this diary entry, we had a serious problem. How do we explain our science to an alien entity who doesn't know Einstein, Kepler, or any of the other scientists of our time? Simple mathematics seems to be foreign to them. Why do you need to know who Einstein is and Kepler to explain a science? Well, I guess... Uh, There's like, scientists out here listening. Sorry, you probably know the answer to that. <laughs> well, I don't. I think you just explained the outside. The I science. mean, the, but those are the people that invented the science that we're trying to, t you know, the whole theory like, of relativity, you know. It's like the apple dropping and yeah, the they're, gravity. They're and, calling the science by the name of the person who discovered it as opposed to the science that, you know, has a name. I see. Or maybe EB EBE two is the smart one, so maybe she would understand. Hopefully, she seems to understand our language more than one and two. She even seems to understand our basic math. We started with the basic math, two plus two, then progressed on. Oh God, the poor thing had to learn math. She understood. <laughs> I mean, they've been not her favorite subject. They've been living happily all this time without your stupid. There's math. another one later that likes math better. Oh, thank God. <laughs> she understood and even caught on so quickly that she continued on without our help. We realized she has a great IQ when she repeated 1,000 times 1,000 and came up with an answer. We showed her our slide rule. Ooh, it took her a couple of minutes to figure it out, although I don't think she fully understood all the symbols on the slide rule. She is really something. Oh, condescending. We found a personality in her. He likes her. We found a personality, maybe because we have more contact with her than the others. She is very warm-hearted. One can just sense that in her. She really cares about us, and she even worries about us. During our first night, she seemed to make sure everything was just right for us, except for air conditioning. She warned us about the heat and the light. She meant that, mentioned that Serpo does not get dark, like Earth. I wonder how she knew that. Has she visited Earth? Maybe she's just educated on Earth's properties. Sounds like you don't like her. What's the deal? No, I don't like him. You don't like him? She's fine. He seems a little condescending. Oh, I don't know. It seems like he just... You know, she's so smart. Maybe he just likes her. He might. He might. Maybe they have books about Earth. Anyway, on the first night, she told us about the winds. What winds? Gusty winds start just when the sun sets. Oh, one, one of the sun sets. The other sun does not but stays in the lower horizon. The winds blow dust, free of dust, into our huts. We had a very difficult first night. We call it night, but it seems that they just call it a period of their day, just another it's just period of their day. Well, they don't have the words day and night. Knew the word, okay, period of the day. Knew the word day, but didn't compare it to Earth's day. Maybe it, yeah, it's just a, maybe she hasn't been to Earth. We didn't sleep well during our night. You wouldn't either because it never gets dark. I know that was <laughs> the Ebens don't, cold. The Ebens don't sleep like we do. They seem to rest for a period of time and then wake up and go about their business, whatever that might be. When we awoke, EBE2 was there outside our hut. I opened the door and she was waiting. Why? How did she know we were awake? Maybe the huts are being monitored by it's some the box. sensors. It's that box. EBE2 told us to follow her to the eating place. She didn't use the word dining hall or chow hall or facility. She used the word place. Well, it fits. Cool if you call it the chow hall. Come on, go get some chow. <laughs> the fact that the team used a slide rule for computations really dates this entry and yeah. authenticates. Did you use ever use a slide rule in school? Hey, you're younger than me. I didn't well, really either. I mean, yeah. it was right at the tail end. You just had to know what it was yeah. and how it worked. I'm sure they showed it to us at some point in time. And authenticates the time frame. The uh, introduction of uh, inexpensive scientific calculators in 1974 made the slide rule virtually obsolete. But uh, in the 60s, all engineers routinely carried slide rules on their belts. The fact that EBE2 was able to quickly understand the use of the slide rule with its cryptic symbols tells us a lot about the high EBN and EBN intelligence. The commander speculates that perhaps EBE-2 had visited Earth. At this point, he did not know that EBE-2 had indeed visited Earth in April of 1964, and evidently he knew nothing about the Yellow Book, or he would have been informed that she had been the translator. The fact that MJ-12 kept this very important piece of knowledge from the team is astonishing. In this case, the paranoia and secrecy went too far. Well, they made it work. 
This team has given up a great deal to make this journey and they deserve to know everything possible about the planet that would be their home for the next 10 years. Someone should have at least briefed them about the yellow book. Tell us about the yellow book. That wouldn't have been a bad idea. So you just get a heads up about what you're getting into. That might have changed somebody's mind. There should at least, this is where I'm staying. There should be a copy in their package. <laughs> There's only one. Diary entry uh, by the commander. Once I uh, gathered the team, we walked across the village. I'll call it a village for the sake of wording. We entered a large building. It seemed to be large based on the small stature of the Evans. There were food on the tables. I guess we call this place the chow hall. Evans looked at us but carried on eating. Do they not cook inside their huts? Maybe everyone eats here. They, yeah, they just eat out every day. Yeah. We walked to the food tables. Same food we saw and ate on the spaceship, except for some, some items were different. They had large bowls of something like fruits. Strange tasting things, or strange looking things. They also had something like cottage cheese. It tasted like sour milk. But after the initial Blah. taste, all right. Oh. I encouraged each team member to eat and drink. We might as well get used to the food. You know, we've got 10 years of it. I would have skipped that anyway. Uh, but 700 tells us to eat just one of their meals a day and stick to the sea rats for the other meals. That way our system will adjust to the even food. We sat at the table, small compared to our standards, and ate. The Evens numbering about 100 just ate and didn't really bother us. Every now and then we would catch Evens staring at us, but we were the freaks, not them. We are the visitors. We are the aliens. Ooh, that's deep. We are the aliens. It's true. We must look really strange to them. We all look different. They all look the same. How can they compare us to them? They can't. We stare at them. They stare at us. We then see a very different looking Eben, uh -oh. a very strange looking creature, large, long arms, almost floats along with long legs, can't be an Eben. We all stare. Oh Lord, what now? Oh no. The Eben just floats by us and didn't even look at us. I find EB too, she's eating with three others. Oh, she didn't eat with them? No. Interesting. She's eating with her own people. Once I approach her, she stands and almost bows her head toward me. You can see interrupting her meal. Hey! What? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe just a greeting. Having to remember that, I asked her, the creature we saw, I asked if that was some other type of Eben. EBE too seems confused. She asked me what creature. I used the word creature. Maybe that was an insult. Maybe she didn't know the word. I pointed to the other thing at the other end of the building. She then saw what I meant. EBE2 said, no Eben, just visitor, like you, pointing to me. Okay, I see they have other alien visitors here. I guess we are not the only ones. I then asked EBE2 what planet did that visitor come from? EBE2 said something like Corta. Not sure what the exact word was, although I... Asked her to repeat it twice. Okay, where is Corda? She walks me to a television. Of course they, they got TV. TV. Thank God. I wonder what channels they got. Yeah. At least it looks like one. <laughs> it is positioned in the corner of the building. It is set up like some type of command station. She places her finger on the glass and something appears. The universe? Star systems? I don't recognize any of them. She points to a spot and says, Corta. Okay, where is Earth? She points to another spot and says Earth. Based on this television glass space map, Corda and Earth are very close, but I don't know the scale of this map. Maybe they are a trillion miles apart, maybe 10 light years, but they seem close. I'll have to have one of the scientists look at this and see. I think EBE too. She seems pleased. She almost looks like an angel. Oh. She seems so very nice. She touched my hand and pointed to my table and said, eat, good eat. I laughed and said, yes, good chow hall food. <laughs> wow. She looked puzzled. She, I, I imagine so. <laughs> I wonder if she saw the cigarettes and their K-Rats. Yeah. I guess she doesn't know what a chow hall is. I pointed at the building and said, chow hall, earth eating place. She repeated what I said, chow hall, earth eating place. I laughed and walked away. Now she will think all the earth restaurants are called chow halls. Well, now she'll get laughed at when she <laughs> comes to earth. That's, that's not, not a nice. chow hall. <laughs> The description of the creature from Corda sounds very much like the alien we now call the mantis because it resembles a praying mantis. Many contactees have reported seeing these aliens on spaceships when they were abducted. 
they're invariably described as kind and compassionate beings. Well, I hope so. We wanted to eat your head off as they're walking away and going through the kitchen like a brain mantis would. <laughs> the fact that aliens from other star systems are permitted to free to freely mingle with the populace testifies to the galactic cosmopolitan nature of Serpo. Cosmopolitan. In the Chow Hall incident, we see that a very affectionate, trusting relationship has sprung up between the commander and EBE2, I told you, who has evidently been designated as their combination translator, guide, hostess, and concubine. I'm sure she'd love to be described as their hostess. That's okay, it nice. wasn't a concubine it either, right? You didn't hear that. At I the did time. hear that. I was ignoring that. All right, not a concubine, the, but the hostess is interesting. The team commander's record of the first day on Serpo continues. We return to our huts. We must get better organized. He really worries about this. Well, he's a commander. You always got to be organized, man. We have a meeting. Oh, must be state Oh, not workers. a I mean, meeting. We've, meetings. <laughs> Where everyone seems okay. We wonder about latrines. Where do we relieve ourselves? EB1 comes by almost as if he was reading our minds. Maybe they can even do that. He tells us pot in hut. Oh, he tells slash shows us pot in hut. We all wondered what that was. Okay, that is our latrine. Realize we won't work, that won't work very well, but we'll do what we can. <laughs> then we realize the pot has some sort of chemical inside. Our wastes are dissolved or something like that. Can't really tell. Each of the four huts has one that will work for the time being. So they have toilet paper what or of, what's the deal? What kind of bizarre chemical is in there that's... Oh, some bizarre chemical. Oh. You know, it just dissolves it, bam. Be careful, don't put your hand in there. Their poo is really small, they'll explain later. It's kind of like rabbit, rabbit pellets. pellets, yeah. They, I mean, they use, they with what they eat, they use almost everything. They're not as inefficient as earthlings. In the diary, E.B., the diary, the commander says, EB1 tells us to walk on ground. Not sure. <laughs> Don't walk in the air. Not sure what he mean, what he means. Um, but 420 says that might be to just walk around. Okay, that we will do. I organize the teams. Uh, 102 will remain with 225. I want 633 and 661 to look at the television glass map and see if they can tell which... Uh, Readings and general weather observations. Um, I know it is hot. Very hot. Must be over 140 degrees. Yikes. That's and a little warm. I don't think we can live in that. Or can, can we, we live in that? 754 warns us to keep covered from sun radiation. 754 says radiation levels are high. This doesn't sound very good to me. No. This reminds me of Nevada. 1956 during one of the atomic bomb testings. Oh, that's fun. Uh, we had hot weather, and we had to worry about the radiation from the atomic blasts. Wow. Now we're on a strange planet, 40 light years from Earth, and we have radiation and heat. But we have, it's unfortunate, it's not just a, you know, very nice place with water. Yeah. I, and, I, you know. I want a jungle. <laughs> but we have to explore. That is why we are here. We start walking around four around four seventy five. We'll take photographs with our military cameras. I hope the film is not affected by the radiation or the heat. I guess, huh? Um, how do we develop it? Maybe we didn't think of everything. There's they no didn't photo think mat? of everything. No photo, no photo mat. I team up with two twenty five. Go to. Remember dropping off film, waiting that seven days before you got to see how your pictures turned out. And then these guys people have to looking wait. at all your pictures. These guys have to wait ten years to see other pictures turned out. <laughs> they didn't. They didn't back any of the chemicals to develop the film and Nobody see the pictures. Nobody Wow. I team up with two twenty five. We walk to a large open door building. We walk in and it looks like a classroom, but no Ebens are here. There is a large television tube. It takes up the entire wall. There are some lights flashing on this television tube. We examine the tube. It is very thin. I wonder how it works. Break. Where are other tubes or the electronics? But maybe they are more advanced in this area than us. They must be. We don't find or touch anything else in the building. Good plan. We move on. Wow, it is so very hot. I hope I get used to it. <laughs> are you on this crew? <laughs> I'd be whining. It's hot. It's, it's hot. hot. 
That's all I would say. Yeah. <laughs> I'm hot. The commander's comparison of conditions on Serpo with the 1956 atomic bomb testing conditions in Nevada, especially with regards to radiation exposure, exposure, tells that he must have been involved in those tests. This is the second piece of information revealed about the commander's past. We previously learned that he was from Colorado, so we're going to put those two pieces. Okay, Look anybody there? We're anybody from things. Colorado? We're trying to figure out who he is. The huge thin television tube without electronics showing sounds suspiciously like our modern flat screen televisions. Dun dun dun. Once again, was this technology given to us by the Edens? Flat screens. We're giving us to this. They give us flat screens. I hope they give us the original flat screens that weighed 10 tons. Remember those bad boys? Yes, we all had those. (laughs) It's interesting that the commander is surprised that they are more advanced in this area than us. Why? Would he be surprised that they're ahead of us in te- television technology when he knows they have mastered time travel? <laughs> it's different. It's so they're two different things. It's two different things. That's funny. Uh, the commander continues. We continues as he states. We find a large tower. Oh, I almost I thought that said towel. It <laughs> looks like an antenna tower, but it has a large mirror. We saw this when we first arrived yesterday. We find an Eben standing near the door, but he moves to one side. We ask him if he understands English. He just stares at us, but seems friendly. I guess he doesn't speak English. We move on into the building. Can't find any stairs, but we see some type of round glass room. Maybe it is an elevator. Then we hear English. We turn around and find EBE2 standing there. She's just like the ever-present butler or something. Where did She's she, a hostess. Where did she come hostess from? Hostess with the most. She is the best hostess ever. You think her, you think yeah. in English, and she comes waddling up. She does up. everything for them. Where did she come from? I ask her if we may explore this building. She says yes, of course, of course you may. She points to the glass room and says, "Go up." Okay, we enter the glass room. The glass door closes and goes up real fast in no time. We're at the top. Now what do we do? But what is this? We ask EB2, what is this? She points to the sun and then points to the top of the room where the mirror is located. She then points to the ground. Okay, we see it. The tower is in the middle of a circle. Do you know what it is yet? Is it the a, circle? Go ahead. What do you... Is it a, a sundial? Ah! The circle is situated on the ground. In each quadrant of the circle is a symbol. I see the sun is directed through the mirror. Maybe this isn't a mirror as we know it, since the sunlight travels through it. But once the sunlight travels through it, the light is directed on a symbol within the circle. EB2 says that when light contacts the symbol, then Ebens make change. Not sure what that means. Maybe she means it tells the Ebens what to do. Do something else. 225 seems to think it is a sundial. When the sun strikes a symbol, the Ebens change what they are doing and do something else. Go make rabbit pellets. Maybe the even day is structured, or maybe this is their clock. Strange, but we are on an alien planet. Things are going to be strange. I'm sure glad I still have my sense of humor. Still early. This is only our first day, the first day of school. We have a lot to learn. We have to keep an open mind. We can't keep comparing things to Earth. We have to open our minds to new ideas and new science. All of these things are foreign to us, but we must learn. We must learn. I pointed to my wristwatch and then pointed to the ground in, an, in a gesture to show EB2 that the items, two items are timepieces. Not sure if she understood. But I said time and she then understood. Yes, she said. Even time, pointing to the ground. I pointed again to the wristwatch and said, Earth time. EB2 then almost smiled and said, No, no Earth time on Serpo. Okay, that makes sense. 225 said, she just told us that Earth time doesn't work on Serpo. Yes, I guess she did. What good is our watches or time devices here? They don't work. We have to start using even time. Yeah, there was a calculator. They used some kind of, because then you have to go, okay, well, here's my watch. When it's this time here, then it's this time on even. Okay, so for yeah. this is equals this on the watch. But I think then their watches failed or some crazy thing. They were there three years longer than they should have been. That's always makes me kind of uneasy. I'm like, I had three years, 30% longer than you thought you were going to be. It didn't even feel like it, I guess. 
But see, that communicating with Earth might have been a good thing. It's like so they could tell you what day they it was. They could tell you what time it is. Yeah. Call popcorn. Yeah. But we must also maintain our time because popcorn's a thing we used to call on the telephone. Yeah, nobody here's going to know that. <laughs> Nobody listening. Gonna this is Nobody's going to know. This is how far back we go. You, and it was a rotary phone, too, remember? Yes, it was. P-O-P-C-O-R-N. The time is, and you'd hear the time. Uh, we also maintain our time because we must know when to leave. Ten years seems like a million. Maybe based on even time that it might be a million years. <laughs> Let's hope not. No time to think about home. We have a mission and duties to perform. We are a military team and we must maintain the idea that idea 225 and myself go back into the glass bowl and i go down to the ground there's a sketch that was made by the team commander to attempt to capture his view of the base of the mirrored tower he considered this important enough to draw it because the sun's focused on these objects dictated the day's activities for everyone in the community and every community had such a tower um it says C page one. Oh, we don't need to yeah, hear about that, that part. Um, Anonymous claims the sketch that he made uh, in 67. They talk about the sketch that he made about of the tower. Since the team arrived on Serpo in mid-66, obviously this sketch was not made on the first day of the planet, on the planet, but a few months later. The words in brackets were added. I know that's only if you okay. can see the words. Anon um, Anonymous mentions drafting templates to explain that these templates were used to make the sketch. It's not a freehand drawing. Um, a moderator, Bill Ryan, adds that um, it has been since shown conclusively that this drawing was made with a barrel wrappy design R22 Architects drawing stencil. I guess they packed one of them. Yeah. However, it is also known that this very common template was on the market a number of years before the Serpo mission departed in 65 and may well have been included among the equipment taken by the Serpo team. This is a, there are some comments made by Anonymous about the sketch. Anonymous, we're assuming, is someone who is directly involved with the project. We explain this in every episode that we do, but just in case somebody's picking up number six first, just to test it out. Um, <laughs> Anonymous is just somebody who's been involved with it and is feeding this to uh, Victor, who then gives it to, um, there's a actually a website, serpo.org, that you can visit. And all this information and more are uh, will be available there. Um, we'll probably be delving into that at the finish of the book, um, should there be anything compelling to add. A great deal of planning went into the 10-year mission to Serpo. Several teams of officials planned on what equipment to take. These officials tried to imagine every conceivable situation where certain types of tools and other equipment might be needed. Our area was captured, capturing the view and makeup of objects, artifacts, and landscapes on planet Serpo. The mission team took cameras, 16 different types of cameras, and drawing and drafting equipment. It's interesting. Um, they brought jeeps and motorcycles, and yeah, I know. I'm still. I don't think it ever does explain what they how you're going to work those things, unless you brought ten thousand, uh, hundreds of thousands of gallons of fuel, and that would go bad right. before you used it up. So, although no team member was trained in drafting, three team members had drawing experience from their college days. Several different types of drafting templates were taken on the trip. The planning officials tried to envision every type of situation where a template might be needed. The drawing made by the team commander depicts the base of the sundial. Each object meant a certain time of day to the Ebens when the sun was directed through the sundial on, and you guessed it, <laughs> onto the object of the base of the sundial. That meant a specific task or change of task to the events. For example, it might signal a change to work schedules, a time to rest, a time to eat, a time to celebrate, a is time that, to go bowling. Isn't that a song? <laughs> I'm sure it is. Turn, turn, turn. Oh, turn. oh yeah. The after, seasons. After a few years, the team learned each symbol and learned the meaning of each symbol. This There's a drawing that was done of the, um, 
made by the team commander in 67, the team also took many photographs of the sundial symbols. Which we have yet to be seen. You will explain why we haven't seen everything at a later time. The regimentation of Eben society is surprising. Our team was able to determine that the average IQ of the Evens was 165 on our scale. What's smart in human terms? I don't know. Do you know? I think that's pretty high. Was it? It's not a trivia question? No. What is considered? What was Albert Einstein's IQ? I don't know. It wouldn't be expected that the aliens with such high intelligence would subject themselves to such rigid control over their daily activity. On Earth, we associate creativity with complete freedom of expression, and we understand that creative people must be permitted to live perhaps eccentric lives. We actually expect writers and artists to not conform to conventional patterns of life. Perhaps this is the key. The Ebens did not display that sort of individuality that we have, and consequently there was little or no creativity in the Eben race. There are not, they are not very innovative. <laughs> they simply accept the precedence and follows the rules handed down to them from earlier generations. Intelligence alone does not guarantee creativity. From this, we can begin to appreciate the unique qualities of the human soul and the importance of diversity. Wow, that's deep. It's true. We walk into another building, large again. Inside, we find rows and rows of plants. This must be some sort of greenhouse. They're growing food. Many Ebens are inside. They look at us with some glares, but we just walk in and around. Okay, they don't want (laughs) you there. We're here. One Eben comes up to us and speaks, but an Eben. He seems to be telling us something. He points to the ceiling and then to our heads. Maybe he's telling us to cover our heads. We must find EBE too. Well, she's usually right there. I know. Well, just here we she go is. back out, outside and then find EB too. She always seems to be near. She's keeping him out of trouble. Yeah. Now we understand why she's monitoring us by the devices we are wearing on our belts. And I ask EB too, what is in that building? She says, "Food making place, Earth Chow Hall." Yep. <laughs> okay, maybe we contaminated the place. <laughs> Nice. That we, didn't take long. One day you've already messed you it up. screwed the whole town. Killed the whole civilization. We told her that another Eben spoke to us and then pointed to our heads. EBE2 seemed confused and walked back into the building with us. The same Eben exchanged words with EBE2. EBE2 then told us that we must wear a cover on our heads in order to enter. Why? But we didn't argue. Well, they don't have hair. Oh, so yeah. the hair can't We're fall. We're dirty. It's a hair. They need, it's a hair net. The other even uh, produces uh, some sort of cloth hat, and we wear it. We walk about. The even seemed happy. We looked at their plants. They're growing food and soil. Um, They have a watering system. They also have some sort of transparent cloth over each plant. I point to the watering system and ask EB2, uh, if that is water, is it drinking water? EB2 said yes. Then she senses we are thirsty. EB2 leads us to a place near another entrance and offers us water. And it, at least we think it's water. It tastes like chemicals, but it is water. Actually tastes good. All right, at this point, we're going to go ahead and wrap. They're on, the, they're on our Serpo. They made it to Serpo. They're on Serpo and they've got a drink. You're pretty happy? That's great. We're going to dedicate this. Uh, we're going to dedicate this episode to our friend. friend. Um. <laughs> We had little birds make a nest on our back porch. Yeah. They flew away and we thought all was good. And then one came back and died on the back porch. It was really well. We tried to save it, but we couldn't. Uh, well, we didn't. We tried. You went. What did you go I buy? I went and bought some freeze-dried mealworms so I could make a paste and try to feed it. But by the time I got back, it had passed. Literally. How many hours? I mean, he was seemed okay. Yeah. They flew out. They flew out of the nest on Friday. And today he died. So something went wrong. Yeah, I mean, they were, they, yeah, the adults didn't really seem to want much to do with them, so we didn't know if there was something wrong with them or what. But they, they had made a little nest inside. We had a converted, uh, everybody's still signing off, but thank you. Uh, converted their uh, the watering can to a nest. I'd convert, well, the, I converted the watering can to a planter with um, spider plants in it, and they actually went in and made themselves a nest inside the watering can, which was really cool. And then there's a 
asparagus fern over it, kind of covering. It was a perfect hiding place for him. So we observed them coming and going. I put a ring, actually put a ring camera in there so we could watch them. And then as they progressed along and then they, you know, flew the coop. They, I would barbecue and they would dive bomb me because I was too close to the nest, but they were, nobody actually hit yeah, me. Yeah, we, we thought we had... Thought we had two. There was two in there. We thought we were home free. And, uh, and thought we were home free. And they got away, but you know this one. Uh, it's kind of weird that he made it back all the way to home, like the. I don't think well, he made it far. You away. think he was just yeah? That's weird. But um, we, you can see why we didn't start with that anyway. Yeah. So uh, thanks for listening to the latest episode of the Alien Probe Podcast. We welcome questions, comments, or requests to alienprobepodcast at gmail Visit us on Facebook. Check out our website, alienprobe.net. Twitter and Instagram at alienprobepod. Like and subscribe at YouTube. We are on YouTube so you can see our smiling faces. Um, same episode um, at Alien Probe Podcast. We should jump right in the top. Like and subscribe when you get there. Thanks, Deb, for joining me. Thank you. And uh, we will see you next time. Watch the skies. <laughs>